Welcome to Podcasting Stories, insights and interviews from people just like you, using podcasts to grow their business and share their message. Podcasting Stories is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Dave Spray. Welcome to the Podcasting Stories podcast. My name is David Spray, and today we're talking with Randy Reimer and Mike Hewitt, two partners in the CPA firm of Reimer, McGinnis & Associates in Houston, Texas. In this episode, we learn more about the firm and Mike and Randy's attitudes toward how to run a top-notch professional services firm. Mike and Randy are also intrigued by the ways that a podcast could amplify their message and the brand of the firm. We talked about their podcast score and ways in which a podcast might be beneficial to the firm and different ways to justify the investment. If you've ever considered having your own podcast, this episode has a lot of great ideas on ways a podcast might be beneficial. Let's get to the show. Mike, Randy, welcome to the podcast. Sure. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having Uh, us on. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. So, So I'm a big fan of your firm because you all have been a really great strategic partner for my business and even my wife and I's personal situation for geez, I think it's been over a decade now, hasn't it, Randy? I think it has been at least a decade. Yep. Yeah. So you all are like uh, really a, a, a really important strategic partner for my wife and me. And I mean, as you guys know, I even uh, have subletted office space from you all for a long time. <laughs> so yeah, we, we really, we really, uh, Appreciate the relationship and really glad that you guys took time out to be on the show. Oh, we're glad to do it. And, and we, we totally enjoyed our relationship with you guys, Dave, as you know, we, uh, you, you and your wife are super special to us. So we're, we're more than happy to, to be on today. Thanks for inviting us. And yeah, we look forward to continuing to work with you guys. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. So some of the listeners may recall that Randy was a guest Earlier this year on my other podcast, the IC Disc Show, episode 22, after the call, Randy mentioned that being a guest opened his eyes to the possibility of the firm potentially having its own podcast, but that he would need to involve at least some of his other partners in the decision. And so Randy just said, you know, let's revisit it uh, later in the year. And so that's why you guys are on the show today. And so our guests are people who either already have a podcast or are thinking about having a podcast. And for people who are considering having a podcast, this gives them an opportunity to kind of try before you buy, as well as the opportunity to have a real-time consulting conversation around our podcasting scorecard. So if that works, let's get started. So Randy, since we've already told your story to nauseating degree of detail on the other podcast, (laughs) I'd like to focus a bit more of my attention on Mike. So Mike, although I've known you for, geez, you know, many years, I really don't know that much about you. So could you just give me kind of the Reader's Digest version? Where are you from? Where'd you go to school? Are you married? And how you ended up at Reimer McGinnis? Sure. A lot of, a lot of dumb luck in there, but yeah, I'm from Houston, grew up, grew up in town, kind of lived all over. I went to U of H, graduated there, and then you know, while through, through a friend of my dad, who was his his friend was best friends with Randy for for thirty something years, that they they worked together at BP. I, I got introduced to Randy when I was still in college. Oh wow! And, uh, so, so 
So six months before I graduated college, I, I had an interview with Randy and, and he, he, you know, I was really looking for an internship and, and he asked me if I wanted to work in public accounting. And after Googling what is public accounting, I, I said, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I want to work in public accounting. And, uh, and so, yeah, so I, I started on as an intern and, and just never left. And uh, 12 years later, you know, after kind of moving up through the firm on the tax and audit side, now, now a equity partner in the firm 12 years later. It's a pretty, pretty unique career path. I don't think a lot of people do that or they kind of take their first real job, if you will, and, and end up being an owner at that, at that company. But that's, that's kind of our situation. You know, I found, found a really good place, found a really good, really good guy to, to work with and, and Randy and, and everybody else here and, and just, you know, never, never had a reason to leave and, and always wanted to be a business owner, always wanted to work for myself and, and have been able to kind of carve that path here. That's a, that is a great story. And, and especially like, even if you knew you wanted to do that and you weren't to work for a big four firm out of school, I mean, you guys would know better than me, but it seems like the partnership track in big four gets it like a year longer every year. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm hearing that the partnership track is now, you know, 15 approaching 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, so it sounds like that was probably a little faster, uh, faster track by for sure. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we work hard here, but we're not working the, the, the big four, you know, 70 hours a week, you know, 11 months out of the year. We're not, you know, we don't, we don't push our people like that. And, and, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't have any desire to. And so, you know, I, I got to miss out on, on some of that <laughs> working at, <laughs> working at one of the big firms. That's awesome. So how big is the firm now? Are y'all around 25 people? I believe. We're over 25. I, th- I think we're right at 28. We've had, yeah, we have some part-timers, so it's a little hard to manage. Yeah, to we've had, believe it or not, this past, we actually had a meeting uh, Wednesday, and we counted up our total total employees, and it was 30. It did include some interns we have right now and a, a part-time person or two, but we have you know 30 people with a phone line and a computer and an email, so it's pretty it's pretty hard to believe we've gone from, from 4 to 30 in, in 15 years, so pretty pretty amazing. That is uh, that is an awesome success story. So, how would you all describe your firm, and what differentiates uh, the firm from from other firms? And I'll let either one of you take a crack at that. Go, go ahead, Mike. Go. Huh. Yeah, I, I would say that our our firm is different in that you know we we have a really good we really understand small business. You know, we we are a small business. We are a small business that has grown. We really work well with with you know small business and and their owners. I, I think that's that's truly our niche, and that's really the way we kind of provide the most you know most value to to our clients. You know, and and we take a, a really holistic approach. We you know we can help them on the on the business side or on the personal side. We can help them on the compliance side. We can help them on the strategy side, and uh, and and we have a client that's that needs advisors and on on all those different components of their business and of their, you know, financial life, we can, we can really help. We can really, you know, add some value. So I, I, I think that's the, that's what really makes us unique. Okay. So I, if I could, could try to summarize it is that you all are an entrepreneurial CPA firm and uh, walk in the shoes of your entrepreneurial clients every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Very well said. Yep. Well, good. So. Other than just being kind of entrepreneurial, 
what are the other characteristics of the companies you best serve? Like, are you looking for someone like who wants the cheapest fees, who uh, is really <laughs> difficult to work with, who's who's a long way away from Houston, or are there other characteristics <laughs> that are more attractive than that? Yeah, yeah I, I would say characteristics. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much the opposite of all of that. Uh, yeah, okay. the opposite. Yeah, let's go to the opposite. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, Randy, why don't you throw out a couple, and then Mike, why don't you add? Sure. In? sure. You, you know, we we've of course spent some time to to identify our you know what we call our ideal client or the client that that really fits best with us, and that and, and vice versa. And you know, it, it's generally that that company where you have got an entrepreneur who's started a business and and they want to grow that business and they want to grow it in in, in the right way. You know, they want to hire good mm-hmm. people. They want to they want to do good work. They want to be around a long time and they're looking for, you know, a CPA firm to partner with them to help them with all those things. And so, you know, we 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 talk a lot about the clients that are that are, you know, grateful for what we do or at least appreciative, you know, and understand mm-hmm. the value that we bring cuz you know, every now and then we'll have some really you know, good, the client will be, you know, fit our profile in terms of entrepreneurial, successful, but, but they will be like you just said that they'll be the guy, they want it all cheap. You know, they want it all for, for very low cost and, and, and just don't, don't value what we do or don't understand the value of what we bring. And so those guys ultimately end up, you know, not being our clients at some point because we just, we, we do our best mm-hmm. to get there with them because we've got a situation right now with a client and, um, you know, boy, we really like the guy, and, and he really—he's personally, you know, just a good fellow. But for some reason, from just what what we do for them and, and the effort required, they just don't see that that it's, they don't think it should cost as much as it does. And, and we're looking all for all kinds of ways to lower that cost, but we we just can't get there. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're we're looking for those guys that get it, you know, if you will, and say, oh yeah, they we we value what they do. We we think it's worth what, exactly what they bill us, and have no problem paying it. So, and what about like revenue size? Like, kind of, you guys kind of like you know five to fifty million yeah, revenue size companies, or five yeah, to twenty-five, or yeah, that I mean, somewhere in there is probably the number. I mean, we have got clients uh, on every you know at every level, just about. I mean, we have some hundred million dollar a year plus clients, but but the vast majority of our clients probably do fall within that five to fifty range, five to twenty-five, somewhere in there. Just kind of depends on on the, the what you know what they do and what their what their price point is on whatever it is they, their product may, they may sell is but but that's probably where most of them fall and we we tend to see that a lot of them they're not really big enough to have a, a CFO if you will they have they have maybe a good controller or a real strong chief accountant but they generally are not big enough to have a CFO and so mm-hmm. uh, consequently we we fill some of that void for them as their CPA firm. So that that tends to be another you know characteristic of a lot of the firms that we uh, companies that we work with. Thanks, Randy. Mike, what about mm-hmm. you? Any any other characteristics that come to mind? Well, you know, I, we 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 consider ourselves you know experts in in, in the real estate industry, for in, in the medical industry, for for manufacturing, and for nonprofits. And so we really really kind of focusing our our business development efforts and in, in, in the industries where we have a lot of expertise. Uh, and, and there's some other there's some other industries as well, you know, just kind of in general professional service providers, you know, attorneys, and, and and some other consultants that we've got a you know pretty high concentration of clients in in those areas, and so we we can really help we can really help them. We we understand some of the 
you know, specific issues that, that relate to people who are working in those spaces and that we can really, you know, help them and, and help them, you know, avoid some pitfalls. And as far as back to the, the you know, people want, people want everything done and they, and they want it done, you know, cheaply and they don't, don't really appreciate, you know, my, my kind of line on that is you can have it cheap, fast, Good, but you can only have two to three. You know, if you want it, <laughs> I love. If you want to have the work done well, uh, and you want it done quickly, it's not going to be cheap. You know, um, right. so. But you know, if you want it done cheap and fast, it, it's not going to be very good. You know, and, right. and we're definitely not the definitely not the firm for for somebody who wants that. No, I I can understand that. You know, my Mm -hmm. wife and I had this conversation about 10 years ago because, you know, everybody like, you know, or shouldn't say everybody, a lot of firms can't help but to kind of grade their clients, you know, like A, B, C. Of course. And and everybody wants like more A clients. Yep. And and, and, and I think most people's definition of an A client is kind of the same, like loyal, doesn't complain about Mm -hmm. the fees pays the bill on time and like Mm -hmm. wants a long-term partnership. And so my wife and I were talking and we decided that like, we don't do anything transactional in our life. Everything's like long-term relationship. And we said, Mm -hmm. you know, we should set a goal to be an A client for every provider we have. (laughs) And we should communicate Mm -hmm. that to them Mm -hmm. and tell them Mm -hmm. like, we just were talking to our landscaping guy yesterday and uh, because he wasn't getting the stuff done as fast as we wanted. And Christine's like, so it doesn't sound like we're an A client. What do we have to do to be an A client? Do we have to pay you more? (laughs) Do we, you know, are we too demanding? And uh, because what we've discovered in the long run is that, Life's much simpler when you're an A client to all your service mm-hmm. providers because yeah. right when mm-hmm. you come back from lunch and you have 10 messages to return, mm-hmm. you have to yep. use some uh, criteria to decide who gets called first. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's like, you know, the A clients get called back first. And mm-hmm. uh, yep. so anyway, so so by the way, if, if, if Christy and I ever fall below the A level, <laughs> now, of course, I'm making a big assumption here that we're already an A client, but if sure. we're not... Please and maybe offline, maybe not on the podcast, but maybe call uh-huh. and tell me what we could do to to uh, to be an A client. Fair we'll enough. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so now let's talk about this potential podcast. So before I kind of get into the scorecard, I'd like to just ask kind of an open ended question, like what do you guys kind of each think of as the pros and cons to having a podcast? Because I understand you both are familiar with podcasts and you both are regular listeners. So you've been on the listener side. So Mike, why don't we start with you? What do you, just off the top of your head, some of the pros and cons you see to having a podcast? Oh, I mean, I I think the the pros, there's a lot, you know, you get to, you get to get in front of, of our clients. Uh, You get to get in front of, of of new clients uh, or potential new clients. You get get to have have a lot more exposure, you know, out in the market, and kind of raise our our profile as a firm and as us individually. I mean, obviously, I think all that is that's fantastic. And then, you know, it I think it kind of forces you to stay as an as an expert in the field. You know, you're you're gonna you'd want to have a good quality show. You'd want to have a good quality uh, material to discuss uh, on the podcast on a weekly, monthly, or however often you're doing it. And so, you know, you're gonna you're gonna definitely stay on top of, you know, what's going on, what's going on in the industry, what's going on in the market. And I really kind of like that kind of being accountable to yourself, you know, to, to keep, keep your expertise and, you know, and not, you know, and not, um, not kind of fall behind. And so, yeah, I, okay. I, I think, I think it could be, 
Could be great. You know, obviously the the the, the, the only negative is, you know, uh, as most people are aware, CPAs they have a have a lot of clients to serve and a lot of a lot of work to get done. And you know, you want to make sure you're focusing on what is truly your bread and butter, which for us is our is our firm and serving our clients. And so, you know, you want to make sure you uh, are focusing on that first and foremost, and and then you know, layering in other things that you want to do as well. You know, you know, below that. <clears throat> So is that is am I if I'm hearing you right? Am I saying that the primary con is just bandwidth for you know for the partners to have time to actually you know do the work on the podcast? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah. Just just making sure that we've we've got time to 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 spare to 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 make sure we're we're devoting enough time to the podcast as well to to put to put forth a you know quality show regularly. You know, I, I mm-hmm. wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to do one every three months. I don't, I don't know sure. how much value that that really adds for anybody. <clears throat> now that makes okay, sense. Right. And, and there's <laughs> another con. There's another con that you forgot, right? What's that? Oh well, we don't do our work for free. We we charge. Ah, uh, got to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so there's that con, right? I mean, you, uh, you guys are accountants, so you've got to, you know, be able to financially true. justify it one way or another. Right. Very true. For sure. Okay. It's, it's funny. I, I, I've never had an, an accountant disagree when they, when I mentioned that one of the cons is cost. I've never had one say, <laughs> no, you know what? We don't think about things like that. ROI, no way. We don't want that kind of stuff. So Randy, how about you? From the way you see it, yeah. what are the pros and cons of a podcast? You know, the, I think the pros are, are you know, that, that it does force you to do something on a regular basis. Where, where you're you're communicating with with people, you know, you're putting your, you're putting your brand out there, you're putting yourself out there on a regular basis, uh, and just again, just as a good steady marketing idea, yeah. and, and I think po- you know, podcasts have become so popular that I think just there are a lot of people that do listen to them. I know I know most of my podcast mm-hmm. listings in the car, sometimes at night at home, but you know I, I will see something that interests me and and listen to it. And I, you know, and it's I, I enjoy them. So I do think I do think there's a real plus there. The, the thing that I, I you know I I like the most about it probably is you know we just got through talking about you know ABC clients, how you kind of rank your clients, and and you know I've already sort of got my initial list together of our some of our A clients that I would want to be on our podcast, and mm-hmm. uh, I, you know I really think that that the having those guys on the podcast really just strengthens the relationship that you have with them and and. Yeah, uh, makes them you know more loyal to your firm. Most likely, certainly, they're going to be appreciative of being asked to be on the podcast. And 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 as you know, you probably can tell from us, most most entrepreneurs love to tell the story, <laughs> love to talk sure. about what they've done and how they've done it, and and you know just basically to you know recap you know how they've been successful. And so, uh, I just think there's a real good chance for us to really strengthen the relationships we have with our you know some of our best clients. Obviously, obviously, I think it does put you out. I think Mike said this. You know, you 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 do sort of position yourself as an expert. You know, even though even though we'd be probably talking to our clients and pulling out their expertise, it again just sort of sets you up. Say, we got a hot podcast. We host it. We mm-hmm. we kind of know what we're doing. So I, I think mm-hmm. it just elevates you in the marketplace. In cons, you know, I think mm-hmm. we've hit them. I mean, it is a it is a time issue. You know, we always we're always scrambling. Seems like around here for to get things done and, and, you know, doing the hottest thing on the, on the desk at the time. And uh, so, but, but again, I think if you, if you're, you know, you're going to do one a month and you can get some, you know, out in front two or three, 
you know, podcast or two or three months and then, you know, out in front, I think you, you certainly can get it scheduled in. So I think you can overcome the time one and the cost one, you know, while, while we're certainly cost conscious, I mean, when you, when you look at some of the things like, you know, the lifetime value of a client, that, that cost is not that high or, or the cost of your Astros season tickets, you know, we, we do that every year and don't, you know, we may flinch a little bit, but <laughs> we still sure. do it. So, you know, it comes down to, uh, you know, what what's the best spend for your marketing dollar? And, uh, you know, I think it's not too hard to justify spending that money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Yeah, because those, mm-hmm. those Astro season tickets, right? I'm sure there's some division, right, by the number of games and seats to come up with, mm-hmm. you know, what it costs, you know, per, uh, per, per guest. Yeah, or, yep. or per game. Mm-hmm. So and another thing that, uh, believe it or not, or you may recall, Randy, that we talked about after our podcast last time when we were debriefing was another way to use the podcast is as a employee retention, employee recognition tool. Mm-hmm. And so, and I don't know if you remember this, Randy, we were talking about back uh, you know, in February that perhaps having an episode like where you or Tom would interview Max and Mike either on one yeah. episode or on separate episodes, kind of mm-hmm. a, a uh, hey, we'd like to in, you know introduce the world to uh, you know a couple of our younger partners and the you know some of the benefits of that. Now, obviously, uh, that's not you know there's there's just Mike and Max, but, but there may even be a case that you might discover that over the course of an episode a month for a year. You might even have an episode that you might carve out for like uh, almost a promotion episode and have those people mm-hmm. on kind of yeah. announcing those and uh, introducing them. Because the other thing we've discovered is that, so you guys know the law firm Boyer and Miller, right? Oh, yeah. So they're they're a client of ours. Chris Hansler does the podcast. And he had Johnny Caraba is his mm-hmm. first guest. And I, yeah, yeah sure and yeah. And my understanding, and I don't know if for sure this is true, I've kind of heard it through the grapevine, but Johnny played that episode for his parents uh-huh. and uh, his and his parents, because he was very complimentary of his parents and his parents yes, he was. were very pleased with that. So it goes to show even somebody as famous as Johnny Caraba still enjoys mm-hmm. some recognition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Very cool. Okay. So... I was going to kind of go through the scorecard, but you guys really kind of hit on some of the, you know, the items already that would kind of financially justify it. So what I thought I might do is just kind of change gears a little bit and just, you know, just treat this like a, you know, live uh, consulting session. So I totally get the, the time commitment and our, Our recommendation for our clients is typically start with one episode a month because I'd shared with you guys before that there's only 377,000 podcasts in the world that have released more than 10 episodes and have released a new one in the last 90 days. So you certainly don't want to fall into that majority who just kind of fades their podcast. So we usually think, you know, one a month is is a great place to start. And the time requirement for that is and I have an idea here from what Boyer and Miller has done is we usually target 45 minutes for the episode and then you know, a few minutes before you hit record a few minutes after 
So about an hour and then the time to schedule the guest, which in theory is just a few minutes, right? You're talking to a client already and you say, hey, would you like to be on the podcast? And then at the end of the interview, you record an intro that takes about five minutes, just you know, kind of recapping sort of the highlights of the show. And then there's an email we prepare for you all to send out. And that email, we draft it and it you know, takes a couple of minutes to review before it goes out. Our standard plan, we actually send the email out on behalf of our client. We actually have a separate mm-hmm. uh, database for each client where we will actually send the email for them. Some client, most of our clients have taken us advantage of that. Some, some have chosen, you know, to want to just do it internally. We don't really care. Our concern was just that everything had be done and we say, all right, time to send the email out. And the client says, now, what service do we use? Is that constant contact? And what's what's the login right. for that? Mm-hmm. Who knows how we even <laughs> use that? So we we were just trying to avoid that we get all the work done. And then, you know, the email is never, uh, Not never sent. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where you are from a time perspective. And then one of the things that one of our clients has done is they actually, we've created a, a separate process for them where they actually do the interview in person. And so what they're doing is they're coordinating it with like a client visit anyway. And they'll mm-hmm. just, you know, so the client's in the office anyway, and they'll just say, Hey, you know, we'd love, you're going to be in, we'd love to have you as a guest on the podcast. Do you mind, you know, if, if we book an hour longer and don't worry, we're not going to charge you for that hour. So that's kind of the approach they're taking. And I don't know if that, stimulates any creativity that makes the timing of it more or less attractive, but it's just a thought to consider. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of that? Does that make a difference or is it still going to take an hour that's going to be hard to come by? Yeah. I mean, it's when you lay it out that way, it definitely sounds like there's not as much of a time commitment as you would think. So that's, that's definitely interesting. I, I, I do like the idea of being in front of somebody, being in the same room, yeah, I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of communication that goes on that that's nonverbal and mm-hmm. you know, I think that could potentially set you up to have to have better conversations, but but yeah, I mean, I could I could definitely see, you know, we're all so comfortable, you know, doing Zooms and and doing phone calls, you know, I think you could still have a really good interview with somebody even if you weren't in the same room. But if you had that option to to be physically present, yeah, I think I think that could be a a really good option as well if you can swing the swing the scheduling. Yeah, and that device—it's just—it's a—it's a kind of an all-in-one device that's got a couple built-in microphones, and you literally just hit record, and then when you're done, you either would just plug it into your computer and download the file and send it to us, or what our one client does—they just take the device and literally take it to an admin person who does the the download and the the email. So that could so that could be an option, and like with this <laughs> client, they're. They're, they started with that, but they may end up using some uh, of the phone option as well because we have a recorded call-in line for each client that is also an option. So we can do that either way. Cool. What do you guys have any other questions for me? As far as again, just I'm just kind of treating this as like a, a real-time <laughs> consulting session, you know, in terms sure. of. You know, any questions you have otherwise or well how any- how difficult is it to 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 do a video recording and, and have something like that posted to YouTube or or something along those lines? Is that is is there like a lot more 
IT infrastructure that's that's required to to do that. I mean, I, I don't know. You think about how how easy it is to use Zoom and and record one of those calls. You know, I I just don't know if it would be as simple as you know using something like that and and uploading that to YouTube or or is there more to it? So that's a great a great question, Mike. And we've kind of and with my own podcast, I've gone like back and forth with that. So the short answer is you you could very easily do that as a Zoom video interview, and then you could just carve out the audio for the podcast, and then and then be able to do you know a video interview that you could post on YouTube. And so the short answer is that's certainly an option, and it's something we've looked at. And but we and I think the spot we've ended up with with most of our clients is, hey, for now, let's just start with kind of the standard audio approach and then just kind of evolve from there. But that being said, if a client said, no, no, we really want to to kind of effectively have a dual channel approach and we want to have a YouTube, then we could certainly make that make that happen because it wouldn't be that much more difficult you know, doing it that way. The challenge that our kind of concern is with a video call is that guests may feel more self-conscious and it Mm -hmm. may be more difficult to get them. Like, for example, if you did it like in person, like we talked about and they showed up and you said, oh yeah, by the way, uh, like here's the whole video production crew. I mean, you can imagine somebody (laughs) feeling, you know, a lot more self-conscious about that. Clean up uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hair and makeup, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, and then, interestingly <laughs> enough, the other thing you you talked about that's a really good point are the nonverbal cues. And so, what's interesting, it's a double edged sword because for the actual interview itself, it is preferable because of all that nonverbal communication. The drawback, though, is for the listener because, like all those you know, nonverbal cues, the head nodding and stuff like that, the listener can't experience. So there's a one school of thought that says for an audio listener, you're actually better off if the interview is non-video just to make the listening experience better. But again, we've, we've, we we're certainly open to either approach, but we just want to give our clients the full, um, kind of awareness of, of the different options. Mm-hmm. So any follow-up questions on, on that subject or any others? No, that's, that's, that's all I got. You know, ready? I was curious. I mean, the, the, is it, is a podcast? Cause me, when I hear podcast, I just, I just assume it's audio, you know? I mean, I know obviously there's people out there that, that call it a podcast or call things a podcast, but there is video you know, Joe Rogan and, and all those guys, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they, they call, they call it a podcast, but it, it's really a show. It's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's certainly a video uh, show. Um, that's a great, know, that's just, a great question. So I can tell you historically, so the original podcast, you know, came from the Apple iPod. Right. Mm-hmm. And so those were audio only. And then mm-hmm. the Apple platform, which is still the largest podcasting platform, their platform is an audio only uh, mm-hmm. But that being said, I mean, there's a number of podcasts I listen to that they also do a, a video because mm-hmm. they're they're referencing video stuff that I can't see. And right. So I think the term has become more more new or more loose as far as just what it means. But mm-hmm. here's kind of the way we think about it: is 
I, I don't know. I don't remember the exact stats, but I think the average YouTube engagement duration is less than a minute because yeah. people are, it's more of a kind of a swipe thing, right? You, you watch, right. you, swipe, you scroll you swipe. through. Whereas the average podcast engagement is more like 15 minutes or 13 mm-hmm. minutes. It's uh, substantially higher. And so there's a, you know, kind of the, the trade-off if you're like pure podcast audio play, and that's really your focus, you're best positioned for those long form, you know, engagement where they're working out, they're driving, you know, they're doing something mm-hmm. that they can't look at a video. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. the other, the other concern with the video is if somebody knows you have a video as well, they might be tempted to say, oh yeah, I see on my phone, there's a new episode of the Reimer McGinnis and Associates podcast, but you know, they also have a video version too, and that might be more fun. So I'm just going to not listen to this because when I'm in my office next to my computer, I'm going to watch the, mm-hmm. uh, the YouTube version <laughs> of it. And the concern mm-hmm. there would be that they would never get around they never to do it. it. They never do. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. more. So I think the short answer would probably be, our recommendation would be start with one episode a month start with audio only and the ideas you can you can certainly evolve to to all all kinds of things. And the other question that that I also ask people when they're thinking through this is I'll ask them, I'll say, so imagine we're two years down the road, you've done 24 episodes, you've invested, you know, roughly 30 hours of time, a little over an hour per episode, and you've spent 20 grand and we're two years later and you have this library of 24 episodes and these people you've interviewed, what's the probability that you're going to say, yeah, that was just a terrible decision. We just, <laughs> that was really a bad thing. And I'm not asking it like in a leading yeah. question. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and what's the probability that you say, you say, you know, maybe it wasn't like a huge home run, but we don't necessarily regret doing it. And, right. and when you think about it from that perspective, most people we talk to, that are avid podcast listeners, like deep down, they would love to have a podcast. They just, they just kind of struggle with being able to get comfortable with the time commitment, you know, the financial commitment. Mm -hmm. But if you say to them, imagine that you had pulled it off and it was all done and you had the 24 episodes, would you be glad you did it? And uh, usually they, you know, the answer, but here I answered for you guys. What would your guys answer probably be if if we were two years down the road, would you probably, would you think it was probably the worst thing you ever did? I doubt it. (laughs) Okay. It'd be a good, it'd be a good thing. The last thing I was going to mention other benefit is from a reference perspective. I've found with my other podcast, my request for references went way down because what would happen is they would ask for a reference and I'd say, Hey, you know, here's an episode with a client of ours. Mm-hmm. Why, why don't you listen to that and then tell me if if you really need any references or if you want to actually talk to that one person. Mm-hmm. And what they find is, is they get way more out of that hour interview as far as getting comfortable with you than they sure. would any, you know, 10 minute reference check call yeah. because of kind of the authenticity of it. So that's, yeah. uh, we also, and we also find like if you're talking to somebody like say in the real estate business, Mike had mentioned that as one of your industries, mm-hmm. 
and you say, you say, you know, we've got other clients in the industry. In fact, you know, Russell was a guest on the podcast. I can send you the link to that if you like. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, this might give you a better sense of, you know, kind of how we approach the real estate business. And it's amazing how powerful that is because you, you get the credibility of a, you have a podcast Mm -hmm. and B, that they can kind of hear this firsthand knowledge. Because face it, somebody can fake a reference check, right? I mean, they can just sort of whitewash it. But it's kind of hard to to fake like an hour interview if you really don't like the person and you really don't like being a client, it's yeah. kind of kind of kind of hard to to fake that. So yeah. that's just another thing I've thought I like of that. that we find yeah. uh, is having uh, is is having value. Yeah, I think that's well, why I think uh, you look at you could you, we we could, I could see us like I say using it a lot in that way that even even maybe certain projects where we've worked on with certain companies that. Where we we you know accomplished something for that client, and you got somebody else calling asking, hey, can y'all do this for us? We say, you know, yeah, we absolutely can. As a matter of fact, we did it for this company, and let me send you the link, and you can hear all about it, and you know, listen to that, and give me a call back. Uh, I like that idea a lot. Well, and then another one that just struck me is, yeah, I use the $750 because just for the listeners, for one podcast a month, our, our, we charge roughly $750. But the other one is imagine if you had a prospect who, was, who would be a huge desirable prospect, would you be willing to spend $750 to try to land that client? So that'd be the other angle. If you had somebody who was really desirable you know, and you said, Hey, would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Cause think about it. Like you might've only had half an hour in their office to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Right. But you'd be surprised people will happily spend an hour on the podcast talking to you. And could you yeah. imagine all the uh, ways you would get ahead of your competition, right? If they were interviewing four CPA firms mm-hmm. and because podcasts yeah. are so rare that in most industries in a niche, like if, if you said your niche was, you know, you know, smallish real estate operations. And, you know, that was kind of your niche. There's probably not, I mean, there's probably another CPA firm in town who says that's their niche, who has a podcast, or if there are, Mm -hmm. there's not many of them. So that'd be another, another use of it just off the top of my head. Well, was there anything we didn't cover today, guys, that you think we should have? Oh, I don't don't think so. so. I think we've covered a lot of ground. Well, good. So uh, again, I just want to let you know how much we appreciate the relationship with you guys. You guys are awesome to work with. I've recommended you guys many times and would happily you know, be a reference. So anybody listening to this who's looking for a Houston-based entrepreneurial CPA firm to serve a you know five to fifty million dollar or even a million to fifty million dollar company who's looking for a long-term strategic partnership this is a great way to go. And I'd highly recommend these guys. So thanks for all the good work you guys do. Uh, You're very welcome. Thank you for the kind words, David. Appreciate it. Sure. Well, with that, let's go ahead and wrap up. And, And so I appreciate you guys being on the podcast and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for having us, David. Have a good one. Bye. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at www.podcastingstories.com. This podcast is brought to you by your podcast team. If you have ever considered having your own podcast, head over to www.yourpodcast.team to learn more about how they can help you. 
That's it for this episode. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time.